0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome into this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. Believe podcast, the network for professionals. Ryan Stone, uh, joined here, joined today by uh, David Glenn, former longtime host of the David Glenn Show across the state of North Carolina, also uh, ACCSports.com, and writes. For the athletic as uh, as well, and David, it's uh, as we kind of touched on before the uh, before uh, we got on here, it's crossover season, so there's there's a lot to, uh, to talk about with uh, with football in full swing and uh, basketball about to get underway finally as well.
0: Yeah, Ryan, it is great to be with you again, and and it is that fun time of year where my phone rings. As much as it has since we created the ACC Sports Journal and ACCSports.com all the way back in 1994, and it's funny—I've always thought of the ACC as a dominating league, especially in hoops. Uh, but when you put the numbers together, it only underlines it. I mean. With the tournament being canceled last year, three of the last five national champions and six of the last 11 national champions in men's basketball have come from current members of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So if you're winning the title more than half the time, uh, obviously that is where the preseason conversation starts, and it's that's the way it should be, the ACC. And meanwhile, on the football side, they're... Dreaming up hypotheticals where Notre Dame and Clemson both make the Final Four as members of the ACC. So John Swafford's in his last year as commissioner, and uh, maybe he's in the midst of going out with a bang.
1: We'll see. Yeah. Before we get into uh, the Tobacco Road uh, stuff for uh, for football, I wanted to ask you about the Clemson Notre Dame game. Uh, yeah. You're, you're. I mean, you know, Clemson. In my opinion, before before the fourth quarter, Clemson was playing. I don't know, like a C, like their C plus game. I thought uh, like it, it wasn't a super impressive Clemson performance until the fourth quarter when uh, when DJ leads them back, uh, and then they go into uh, to overtime. So, so what are you? What were your thoughts on that game? And if if we were to get that rematch with a he- healthy Trevor Lawrence,
0: yeah, I'm in the camp where you can both give Notre Dame a heck of a lot of credit for what might be the best regular season victory of the 11-years-long Brian Kelly era, and also take away from that game in the details that you'd bet the ranch, the farm, and the dog on the Clemson Tigers if there is a rematch at the ACC title game. And it's not just the most famous one that I'm sure you've discussed with your listeners. You know, DJ, uh, Trevor Lawrence couldn't play. Uh, You get to plug in the five-star freshman, at DJ Ui Angelile, and he is the real deal. He's playing at less than 100% physically, Uh, but the Tigers put up 40 points against a really good Notre Dame defense. It was also missing James Skalski and three other key players on the Clemson defense. Notre Dame beat a watered-down version of the number one in the nation, Clemson Tigers. They still deserve credit for that. But when we see the rematch, and it is the most likely ACC title game matchup, uh, assumedly Trevor Lawrence and those other missing players are going to be available. I think Notre Dame shows that it showed that it has a strong defense, it has a great offensive line and running game. But until Ian Book gets more consistent as a thrower, you know the Irish are not going to be as well rounded as the Clemson Tigers are. Could they still be good enough to make it the Final Four? Maybe. But, man, there's a whole lot of other teams. If you think Alabama's going to be there and you think Clemson's going to get there and maybe you think Ohio State's going to be there, uh, Wisconsin and Florida and BYU and others all think they have an even better chance than uh, if, if Notre Dame ended up 11-1 and with a loss to Clemson in the
1: ACC title game. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see if that ends up being the uh, the scenario Uh, and how things play out. Uh, Going back to last week, uh, we we saw UNC blow out Duke, which I think was to be expected. Um, Particularly UNC's demonstrated the ability to to bounce back off the two bad losses we've seen them have this season. But I, I guess my question is, what do you think is kind of separating UNC from ascending into that top level of the conference?
0: The defense isn't good enough. That's the bottom line. Carolina, I'd say, along with Clemson, when everybody is healthy at Clemson, they're the two best offenses in the ACC, and I would argue they're two of the best offenses in the entire country. So, you know, it is not an exaggeration to say that Mac Brown has an absolute juggernaut on the offensive side of the ball. That team could score on anybody at any time. I, I mean, Alabama or anybody else. Sam Howell, those two running backs, De'Ami Brown and other wide receivers. Man, that starting 11 is, is record-setting. On defense, they're just an average ACC team, and that's the reality. And, you know, Chaz Surratt's a good player, and I actually like uh, Gimmel, the, the linebacker next to him is, is a very good player. Um, But they're missing some guys to injury on that side of the ball. They don't really have a dominant player in the front four. And when you don't dominate at the line of scrimmage, you're probably going to be an average at best defense. Could the Tar Heels beat anybody on a given weekend? And remember, they have some tough games coming up and some important games against Miami and Notre Dame, for example. Um, But yes, they can win against any of those teams. But could they also lose to, say, Wake Forest? The way they lost to UVA, yeah, that could happen as well. That's just who the Tar Heels are right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's certainly the case. And definitely want to get into that Wake UNC game uh, in, in a little bit. Uh, but but staying on last week, uh, I, I was super surprised and impressed to see how well NC State hung in that game with Miami. Uh, it, it, Bailey Hockman, it seemed like they finally found a way to, to get him in rhythm in that game, Uh, and he he looked like a a completely different quarterback than what we have seen uh, so far. Yeah, he he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, even a lot in that
0: fan base had given up on Bailey Hockman. Now, they are better with Devin Leary, who's of course injured right now, but they have a good offensive line, they have good running backs, uh, and they have some experienced quality wide receivers. So if they just get a you know, a, an above-average performance from their quarterback, uh, they're going to put up some points. The Wolfpack's problem is somewhat similar to Carolina's problem. They, they just can't stop people. They actually have more defensive problems than the Tar Heels have. They're not making enough plays in the secondary. They don't have a Bradley Chubb-type guy on the defensive line. Um, they're giving up 36 points per game, and, and that's just not going to get it done. That's one of the worst numbers in the ACC. So... Um, Dave Doran is, I think, headed toward a mediocre season, thanks in large part to a bad defense. Mac Brown still has a chance at a really good season, despite those Tar Heel struggles on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and I think it's that's disappointing for NC State, because I think when Leary was healthy, they were heading towards maybe an eight-win season, potentially, because they, they were really playing well. And I think, I mean, I, I think, you know, that, on a given day, I'm not saying that they're necessarily more talented, but I think on a given day, they, they could have competed pretty well with uh, with UNC. Yeah,
0: I agree. I mean, they're they're not nearly as good without Devin Leary, um, but they made you know their defense made the Eric King look like the Heisman. Yeah, I mean that guy put up. It's it just there, there's not a lot to be afraid of when you line up and look at the Wolfpack defense. When you're lining up looking at the Notre Dame defense, you're lining up looking at the Clemson defense. Uh, I'd say even Pitt, for example. Uh, There are things to be afraid of as you're the quarterback barking those signals. Uh, The Wolfpack just doesn't have enough of those guys on defense this year. and That's weighing down what I agree with you was –
1: a promising season, yeah. Given how David Leary really
0: looked great in some games before he was injured,
1: yeah, he, he had gotten off to a terrific start. There was uh, there was no question about that. Uh, you know, before we get into the Wake UNC game on, on Saturday, uh, Wake Forest has had one of the more uh, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a more impressive turnaround in, in college football this uh, this season with the short of time that uh, that Coach Clawson and his staff have done it in. It, it looked like early in the season when they were playing that daunting schedule that they were heading towards an absolutely miserable season. Then they kind of get the COVID break, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, then they, they, they've reeled off some, some wins in a row. You know what, what have you thought about the way Coach Clawson and his staff have turned things around?
0: I've always thought that guy squeezes every last drop out of every football team he's ever had. And that's not just at Wake Forest, but that's at several different career stops. Dave Clawson is the real deal. Uh, He's an overachiever at a school that, because of their high academic standards, needs somebody to be an overachiever. He's not beating Clemson for a lot of recruits, right? He's not beaten Carolina for a lot of recruits. But, you know, Sam Hartman is a veteran quarterback who stepped back into the starting role this year and hasn't missed a beat. I think if you listed starting quarterbacks in this league from 1 through 15, Sam Hartman would be in the top five even though his name is not nearly as big as Trevor Lawrence at Clemson or Sam Hall at Carolina, or D.R. King at Miami. They also have two great running backs. Yeah. I mean, Kenneth Walker III, last I looked, was at about 100 rushing yards per game, and he's the backup. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and how about this? After years of watching guys like Greg Dortz, who made the NFL, or Kendall Hinton, Playing in that uh, slot receiver role that Dave Clausen loves to use, a guy named Jacquari Roberson, who, you know, other than Wake fans, nobody knew that he existed. This is his fourth year at Wake. He's a redshirt junior. And not only does he go from no name to good player, he goes from no name to all ACC candidate. These are the growth stories that happen routinely under Dave Clausen at Wake Forest. They're not great on defense, but man, they're good and fun to watch on offense, and that's what gives the Demon Deacons a chance. For example, against that vulnerable Carolina defense this coming week.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly the case. And I want to get to that in a second. But you know, early in the season, first couple weeks in, I thought there were three tiers in the ACC. I thought you had a top tier that featured you know two or three teams, with Clemson obviously being higher up than the other two teams that I'd put on that level. Then I thought there was a pretty big middle. Pack uh, that can, you know, probably consisted of six to seven teams. And then you had like a bottom four of the four teams that just haven't been impressive at all. But now I feel like it's doubled. I feel like there's like six tiers in terms Uh of teams in in the ACC. And I mean, I, you know, I guess Clemson and Notre Dame are on top together. I'd almost put Miami on their own tier, uh, slightly above like a UNC. And then, you know, I'd see like, you know, UNC, Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe NC State on their best day. Uh, it, it, it just feels like, you know, outside of Clemson and Notre Dame, that just feels like anybody can beat anybody in this league.
0: I think there's a lot of truth to that statement, and and I don't know if our tiers would match up perfectly. But just as you have Notre Dame and Clemson as the top two, I think you can single out Duke and Syracuse as yeah. truly bad football teams. Yeah. Just flat-out bad football teams. So you got a tier t- tier at the top with two
1: teams, a tier at the
0: very bottom with two teams, and then you have 11 in between, where I don't know if I'd say anybody can beat anybody. Because I agree, Miami and Carolina are better than the middle of the pack. And I would say FSU and Louisville and Georgia Tech... Are kind of trending toward the bottom of yeah, that midsection. I would agree with that. With, with the Wolfpack and the Deacons, and in and a surprising Boston College team to go along with a Virginia Tech and sort of that true midsection. So yeah, we might have five or six tiers. Uh, and in terms of an ACC championship game, you know, Clemson and my Clemson and Notre Dame are obviously in the driver's seat. Miami, with only one conference loss, still has a chance to get there. And then after that, you know. It's a long shot for any of these ACC teams that have two conference losses, but you know, I guess you'd put Carolina number four in those power rankings, um, given that the heels still have uh, Miami and Notre Dame on the schedule.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of that's about the same as I would say. And hey, we're talking to David Glenn of uh, ACCSports.com and the Athletic. Uh, let's let's get into this uh, this Saturday slate. I mean, you, you wake at UNC. We talked about Wake's turnaround and what's kind of separating also UNC from ascending to that top level. But but I was shocked when the betting line came out for this that Wake Forest is a 13.5-point underdog in this game.
0: It's interesting. I'm, I'm not as much of a gambler as many of my friends.
1: But the first number that I was curious about is what is the over yeah, that too. As, as Wake goes to Carolina? <laughs> because I'm telling you... You know, we've seen those crazy games where, what was it, years ago when Virginia Tech and Wake Forest played
0: to a 0-0 game, even like into overtime. Wink at Carolina is going to be the opposite of that, because Deeks can move the ball and score, and the Heels can move the ball and score. That is going to be a fun game. Again, I don't, I don't play the over-under game all that often, but I'd, I'd imagine the over-number is really, really high.
1: That is going to be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. I'll put it that way. It's uh, it's sixty six is actually the over number, so it's 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 up there. Uh, It's pretty high. Pretty high over number. uh, But I, you know, I think I am. I think UNC is the better team, and I think they win the game. but I think you know, as somebody who does bet, I think I am probably leaning towards taking Wake Forest in that game, getting thirteen and a half points. But just the just the inconsistency of UNC's defense and, and the consistency, quite frankly, that we've seen from Wake lately.
0: I think that's a good, smart bet uh, because the Dicks are going to move the ball and the Dicks are going to score points. I mean, unless Carolina is getting somebody back from injury that I can't think of, their current starting personnel on defense, you can even see it. Not only are there not enough true you know, standout playmakers, but a lack of depth sometimes has guys like um, Gimmel and Surratt exhausted out there. You know, because they're they're just not rotating players the way most coaches rotate players. You know, starter may get seventy five percent of the snaps, deep backup may get twenty five percent of the snaps. Heels do that at some positions, but they're wearing out their stars at other positions, and that's one of the reasons
1: their defense is vulnerable. Yeah, certainly, certainly true. Uh, we, we've touched on NC State as well. Uh, they host Florida State at home on Saturday night. Uh, NC State, a seven point favorite. In that matchup, and, and I would think I, it, it's hard to know what to expect with this Florida State team, but we've touched on the fact that, that NC State's defense uh, gives up a lot of points as well. And what, you know, what Derek King did to them on Saturday night, I, I certainly agree with NC State being the favorite, but I would have to think that there may be a lot of points scored in that one as well. I
0: agree with you. I actually I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this next
1: sentence out loud in my entire life until right now. <laughs> I think Florida
0: State is the worst defense in the Atlantic Coast. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's that's a strange thing.
0: It just, (laughs) you know, I mean, all those years with Bobby Bowden having Mickey Andrews as a defensive coordinator, and you just thought they were going to be one of the best defenses in the country every year. um, If they weren't good... You know, there, there was probably injuries, or it was the offense or special teams, you know, some of those infamous wide lefts or wide rights letting them down. It was rarely the defense letting them down. And they're atrocious on that side of the ball. They have one really good player in Asante Samuel playing well. They have another really talented player in Marvin Wilson, an NFL prospect, yep. who's been a no-show for much of this year. Um NC State has a chance to exploit that Florida State defense. Now, will Bailey Hockman be the turnover guy, or will Bailey Hockman be the game manager guy? Yeah, that's if if he has even a good game. The, the Wolfpack's the better football team. That's the bottom line. And I'm not sure how often I've been able to say that NC State is significantly better than Florida State in the sport of football. But this year, that is the case.
1: Also, yeah, keep in mind. I mean, when FSU beat UNC. It was clear that FSU's defense was out for Sam Howe, who is a Florida State commit at, at a point. Uh, and, and Bailey Hockman has his ties to the Florida State. So I, ca- I do wonder a little bit if we're going to see some more of that from Florida State's defense on Saturday night.
0: That's an interesting point. And, and another thing to watch, and I haven't seen the absolute latest on this, but one of the biggest reasons that FSU upset UNC was that Jordan Travis – took a quarterback position that had been embarrassing for the Seminoles for much of the season and truly energized that offense. And I think he even inspired the defense to play better. Well, now we've been through
1: Jordan Travis and James Blackman, the veteran. We saw Phil Purdy last week. We
0: saw the the freshman, Tate Tate Rotemaker. I mean, it's a four-headed monster. And when Jordan Travis is either ailing or not available, the Seminoles' offense tends to implode, so that's that's one thing that, you know, another thing that maybe the Wolfpack can exploit, because I'm not sure the Seminoles have confidence on either side of the ball
1: right now. Yeah, that'll be uh, be certainly something to, uh, to watch. Uh, a couple other games I wanted to touch on before we get into some basketball. Miami goes to Virginia Tech, and this is another line that I was shocked by. The Hokies are, are favored by two points in this game.
0: That is interesting, given that it's Miami at 6-1 and,
1: and the yeah. Hokies are only
0: 4-3 and, and just lost to Liberty. I mean, nothing against Liberty. I'm aware they were ranked in the National yeah. Top 25.
1: Uh, and credit to
0: the Flames for still being undefeated. But that's a game Virginia Tech should win, even in a year when Liberty is good. And I, it, this is weird to say out loud, like some of the other sentences I've uttered to you today. But the Hokies are
1: just not good on defense. Yeah, I, I mean, they're they're... We think of the Bud Foster era under Frank Beamer
0: and a lot of other great Virginia Tech defenses, and they just don't have it this year. And they're giving up points by the bucket load. And with De'Ara King playing so well for Miami, it's not hard to imagine the Hurricanes putting up a big number. I think you know maybe what explains
1: that point spread is that the Hokies have one of their better offenses. Justin Fuente was hired away from Memphis years ago to to succeed
0: Frank Beamer, largely because of his reputation developing quarterbacks and creating really prolific offenses. Well, even with two different starting quarterbacks this year, I'd put the Hokies' offense up there after Clemson and UNC as good as any offense in the conference. And they have the great running back, the Kansas transfer Khalil Herbert, who's also doing a great job returning kicks, although he did get hurt last week. Uh, in that Liberty game, so I have to check his status for this matchup this weekend. Uh, but Hendon Hooker has been a, a big improvement since he became the starter a couple of games into the season. He has a really good record as the starting QB for the Hokies. You know, they have playmakers at wide receiver. I think Virginia Tech has the second best offensive line in the ACC after only Notre Dame. Um, so, you know, we might see another shootout. It's, <laughs> Miami at Virginia Tech and Wake at Carolina. You know, we might see you know both games in the thirties might be an understatement. Uh, we might see some numbers in the forties, and uh, whoever wins, at least the fans will be happy.
1: Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly true. I think uh, both those games are gonna be uh, gonna be really interesting. I, I it's hard for me to like if you were to bet this, it's hard for me to to lean as inconsistent as Virginia Tech's been. Uh, and I, I get the extra motivation coming off the Liberty loss, but as good as Miami's been, as consistent as they've been, I think I'd have to go Miami in that one. Um, and, and just, you know, I, I don't see any news on Herbert's injury, so maybe that means he's okay. Um, but also we've got uh, you know, Notre Dame and Boston College on Saturday. Notre Dame, a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Do you think that there's any chance... Boston College kind of coming off of a sloppy performance against Syracuse. Notre Dame is riding that high going into Boston College. It's kind of a rivalry game. Any chance the Eagles knock off Notre Dame?
0: i say yes, there is a chance. Uh, crazy stat, the last time Notre Dame beat the number one team in the country, their next opponent was Boston College. And they lost and the, him. <laughs> the last time they beat number one, they followed it up with a surprising loss to Boston College. So perhaps there's something in the history there, but I think one sort of under the radar story in ACC football this year is that Jeff Hafley, the yes. first year head coach at Boston College, has those guys believing. And you almost have to shake the cobwebs out when you picture what the Eagles have been um, under Steve Adazio and even others. You know, they still do have a big, strong offensive line, but they're really not running the ball the way they have done, I mean, dating back to the Matt Ryan era and even before that. They're throwing the ball, oddly enough, with a Notre Dame transfer. You mentioned some of those interesting little connections between Florida State and NC State. The starting quarterback at Boston College, Phil Dracovic, was Ian Book's backup at Notre Dame. yeah, And transferred because he wanted to be a starter somewhere. Jeff Hasley. Needed a quarterback. I mean, it was the ugliest place on his entire depth chart when he took over at Boston College in the offseason. He's also a defensive guy. He was a a star co-defensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And an up-and-coming guy, big personality, good recruiter. He has the defense playing smart and well. Phil Dracovic has energized the offense with, I'd argue, top five caliber quarterback in the ACC type production. So that, that's why BC has a chance because
1: they believe anything is possible. Yeah,
0: Jeff Halfley just just he, he's got these guys attention, and of course, all week long he's saying, "Folks." this is our chance to shock the world because Notre Dame now thinks they beat number one. They're going to roll us. Let's show them otherwise. And until Notre Dame gets better in their passing game, you know, I don't think we can assume that the Irish are just going to steamroll anybody.
1: Yeah, especially on you know, 13 has a big number. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. I think the Irish probably win. I don't know that it's by that much. So I think that'll be something be an interesting game uh, to keep an eye on. I, a lot of news coming out today uh, with the at least the big four schools in the ACC, uh, the Tobacco Road Schools, all putting out uh, their schedules. So before we get into each team, any you know, big takeaways from you just looking at the, the schedule releases for, uh, for basketball with what the teams have put out?
0: Well, I guess the first thing f- f- uh, fans have to digest is that we're not going to have as many games because of COVID in the college basketball season. That's number one. Second reminder would be this is just the second year in ACC history where they're scheduled to play 20 conference games. Remember, it was 18 for a long time, 16 before that. So they did keep the 20 conference games. So it's going to take up, in this year's case, a huge majority of the regular season schedule for all teams will be Conference versus conference type matchups um, I'm looking forward to the ACC Big Ten Challenge Because there's some great head-to-head uh, contests there So that would be kind of the starting point point. Um, and in terms of the Big Four I think Duke and Carolina are two of the contenders for the ACC title Two of the top contenders along with UVA I think Wake Forest is going to have a rough rebuilding season in year one under Steve Forbes, and I think Kevin Keats is kind of right in the middle of the pack where his season could go either way. That's kind of a quick overview uh, on, on, uh, I guess, what we would call schedule week for the ACC in basketball.
1: Yeah, it's a little, you know, the schedule thing, like you said, it's digesting that there aren't going to be as many games. I think you kind of lose – some of the good non-conference games that uh, yeah. that become that become really important when it comes to when it comes time for March uh, for the NCAA tournament in terms of uh, you know how 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 the committee measures things at least that's what we're told so I think that's something that's uh, a little difficult to uh, to digest uh, I think it also a lot of you know a lot of the the promo for college basketball season is, is, if you will is is that Feast Week where they've got the tournaments. And you've, you've got all the big matchups that are taking place every day, all different time type times of the day, and you're still going to get some of that. But I, I wonder if uh, if the ratings for college basketball uh, will hurt some because of that.
0: It's going to be interesting to see, and beyond ratings. I mean, most sports are down in their live TV ratings. Yeah. Now, I always remind people,
1: all live programming yes. is down. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, whether it's a, a different
0: type of non-sports programming or it's, you know, an ACC basketball game, we kind of have to get used to that new reality. But one other kind of weird factor and another thing to monitor this season specifically is that Duke, for example, this week just announced that there will be no fans at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, that is one of the most historic places to watch a game for fans or to play a game for basketball players. Seriously, like in the world, it's a bucket list item for a lot of athletes and a lot of sports fans. And Duke announced this week that there will be nobody there. So how, how does a home court advantage work I've, been, I've covered so many games at Cameron. I'm telling you, man, that place vibrates in a close game when Duke needs a little lift from the yeah. student section. They get that lift, and they win those games far more often than not. We're going to have a different dynamic there. Of course, um, other schools could have no fans or limited fans. They haven't all made announcements yet. But this is going to be a, a normal season in the sense that the ACC is going to have plenty of teams in the thick of things. But it's going to be an abnormal season in some of these other ways that we're talking about, including attendance.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly going to be an interesting thing to see. Uh, a, a empty Cameron and North Stadium is going to be. Uh, speaking of, of Duke, your 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 preseason impressions uh, of them. I mean, they're replacing sixty seven percent of their scoring, which is actually a, a smaller number for what they've gotten used to over the past few years.
0: Well, the key for Duke is kind of twofold in my eyes. Matthew Hurt, who was a good player for them offensively last year, but really bad defensively. and it took a while to even buy into Mike Krzyzewski's first-to-the-floor intensity. Matthew Hurt has to be great as a sophomore. He was allowed to blend in as a freshman. You need stars to win in this league. You need superstars to win championships in this league. Matthew Hurt needs to take the leap to star level at least and maybe beyond. He and the, the kind of veteran role-player point guard, Jordan Goldwire, are the only two returning starters, full-time starters for Duke. The second key is that at least a couple and maybe more of the incoming freshmen have to be great right away. And I think it's, A smart bet to assume they have a six foot nine guy named Jalen Johnson, who was a top 10, top 15 player in the country as a high school senior. He is smart. He is versatile. He is skilled. He can pass it. He can score it. He's just he he looks like an all ACC candidate as he arrives uh, on campus. He's going to be really good, I think. Uh, But they need either their point guard, Jeremy Roach, to also be great right away, or their wing player, D.J. Stewart, to also be great right away, just to blend with guys like Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore Jr. and Joey Baker and Jordan Goldwire. If Coach K gets that blend of strong veterans and high-end freshmen, well, that's what puts him back where we're used to seeing him, and that's on that top tier in the ACC.
1: Yeah, certainly the kid. What kind of of impact do you think the the Columbia transfer, Patrick Tate, plays, if he plays much of any?
0: I think he's a role player. I I think he's just one of those guys that they need physicality in the post. He was not even a big scorer at Columbia. Um, But he's physical, and, you know, he's 6'9", 235, I think. So Duke, you know, typically... In many of Coach K's lineups, he has that one guy who's more of a defensive specialist or a rebound specialist, or he likes how they set screens. You know, you can be an offensively dangerous team if only four of the five guys are really good at putting the biscuit in the basket, as the saying goes. I think Patrick Tepe from Columbia is more of a a role player. um, Who's going to – who knows? I mean, the freshman Mark Williams, who's also a center – is the more talented guy? I'm not sure he's you know automatically going to overtake uh, the immediately eligible graduate transfer Patrick Depay from Columbia.
1: Yeah, it'll be be interesting to uh, to see. I, I guess UNC obviously the big thing for them is they get Garrison Brooks back, but he he's obviously going to need some help. So what are your uh, your early impressions of, uh, of UNC? Number one, their freshman big man Dayron Sharp. He's 6'11", 265, He has all-ACC caliber talent. Now, I don't know if it's going to be on
0: day one, week one, month one, or by the end of the season, but he can flat-out play. So imagine having two all-ACC caliber players, you know, Gerson Brooks, now a senior, at power forward, and Dayron Sharp, a true freshman, uh, kind of in that center-slash-forward kind of role. It's, It's all going to come down to guard play. That's the less predictable variable for Roy Williams. I will say... That anybody who thinks last year was not an anomaly, you know, dropping to 14 and 19, anybody who assumes the heels are going to struggle again is not paying attention and out of their minds. Carolina will be a top tier team in this league. Brooks and Sharp and others will make sure of that. Armando Bacot is back. Leaky Black is back. But the less predictable variable is how are they just flat out at the guard position? because they're asking a true freshman named caleb love to be the point guard and that went poorly with cole anthony last year although they're two very different players they're asking a returning guy who was injured last year anthony harris to play on the wing. they're asking a true freshman named rj davis who's only about six feet tall at most only about 160 pounds at most but he's extremely quick, a natural scorer and creator. He's gonna get some minutes on the wing. And Carolina fans who remember the super sharp shooter Cam Johnson, now in the NBA, his younger brother, Puff Johnson, is a true freshman for the Tar Heels. And he's kind of built like Cam, you know, six foot eight, but a really good shooter on the wing. That's a lot of options, including freshmen at the guard and wing positions, but they need several of those guys to really step up. To go with guys like Brooks and Baycott and Sharp in the post.
1: Uh, as far as NC State, uh, I know they bring back a ton. Uh, they, they pretty much bring back that most of their most of their lineup from uh, from last season. So, you know, what are your uh, what are your expectations for the uh, for the Wolf Pack this season?
0: Yeah, I think I have the pack sort of in the middle of the pack. Excuse the expression. I, my top six goes UVA, UNC, Duke. Syracuse, Florida State, Louisville. I think those six teams are just a cut above everybody else. I have the Wolfpack in a group after that top six that, like Pittsburgh, like Georgia Tech, like Clemson, maybe even Miami and Virginia Tech, their seasons could go either way. And I do think it'll go the right way for Kevin Keats at NC State this year, Uh, but they just need good point guard play. Um, here, basically, D.J. Thunderberg decided to stay for his senior year. That's a heck of a big man. Devin Daniels, who was one of the more improved players in the ACC last year, he's back for his senior year. Braxton Beverly, the sharp shooter, is back for his senior year. I mean, how many teams in college basketball have three guys back who have either started a lot of games or, in Thunderberg's case, They usually brought him off the bench, but played just an enormous amount of minutes over the last couple of years. Manny Bates is a quickly developing young big man for the Wolfpack. So that's a lot of pieces. And they have newcomers as well, obviously. But will Thomas Allen, former Nebraska transfer who sat out last year, will he be part of the solution at point guard? They have a guy named Cam Hayes from Greensboro Day School here in North Carolina. He's a true freshman. Will he be the answer at point guard? They even have another freshman named Shaquille Moore who plays point. Um, one, two of those three guys have to solidify the point guard position. If they can do that, that allows Braxton Beverly to move back to the wing where he's more comfortable. And that just allows the other pieces to fit together in a way that Kevin Keats needs them to fit together because, you know, he's in year four now and they – They believe they're an NCAA tournament team But uh, he hasn't been there Since his first year with the Wolfpack Of course last year it was weird There was no NCAA tournament But um, yeah, Kevin Keats is going to have A lot of supporters If he makes it the NCAA tournament And he's going to have a lot of those Wolfpack fans Howling at him if he falls short this year, and, and being a middle of the pack team, I do think it could go either way.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I, I kind of I, I like their outlook just because, like you said, there aren't but so there aren't so, but so many teams that uh, that get that many uh, talented guys back in uh, in college yeah. basketball. So I think that uh, that uh, bodes well for the uh, for the Wolf Pack. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on Wake Forest last. I, I, you know, obviously, it's a gonna it's a tough rebuild for uh, for Steve Forbes and company, but he seems to be doing pretty well on the recruiting trail, True. Yeah, at least in the early windows so far. So, so what do you think? I guess is most important for him and his staff this uh, this season in their first season at Wake.
0: Yeah, I would say. I mean, you put your finger on it, uh, Ryan. Because more important than anything the Deacons do on the court this year is they need to recruit. Because bottom line is, his roster is not an ACC caliber roster. That doesn't mean they can't win some games this year. It does mean they're going to finish in the bottom tier of the Atlantic Coast Conference, no matter how hard they play. So recruit well, which as you said, he is already doing. That is a promising sign for the longer term future of Wake Forest basketball. In terms of this year, I think on the court, the most important thing is to just show who you are. You know, under every coach, Steve Forbes is a coach that uh, you know East Tennessee State fans know what he's all about and how his guys play. He's been an assistant at some prominent programs, so they might remember his impact on their uh, programs or teams. But Wake fans don't have an up close front seat view of that yet, and they haven't. They have some talent. You know, Isaiah Musius is a, a nice player. Uh, they tried, they're they going to try a whole bunch of transfers to see if you know they can sort of plug and play and help right away. Uh, but they're, fu- they're swimming upstream. There's probably at least 10 ACC teams that have a lot more talent, experience, and depth than Wake Forest has this year. So show who you are. Are you a, are you a fast team? Are you a slower-paced team? Are you a hard-nosed team? Are you going to match Duke's intensity when you play the Blue Devils, even if you're not as talented as they are? You know, what is going to be your trademark under Steve Forbes at Wake Forest? The guys who show those skills that that coach wants to see will play more. The guys who don't buy in will play less uh, because every new coach has to send those messages during his first season on campus. I'm sure he's already sending them in the preseason, but you send those same messages when you dole out playing time as well.
1: Yeah, certainly. So I agree with you hundred percent. I think it's going to be uh, building your identity. I think that's uh, that's going to be really important for them uh, on the court and on the recruiting trail as uh, as well this season. And we've been talking to uh, David Glenn, accsports.com, and the Athletic. David, uh, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time to uh, to join us on Believe in Tobacco Road today.
0: Always fun to be with you, Ryan.
1: Take care. Yeah, that's good stuff from uh, from David Glenn. That'll do it for this week's edition of Believe in Tobacco Road. As always, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts Apple, Spotify, also believe.com as well. And thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.